Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. And what we always like to say is if you can't listen live on a car radio or just traditional radio, then stream. The Radio.com app is free. Take the Ben and Skin Show to work with you and make the workday go that much more quickly. And joining us now, thanks to Ford. Ford is the best in Texas. It is Mickey Spagnola. And Mickey, boy, we are panicking out on the streets of Cowboy Land, knowing that the two starting tackles today for the Dallas Cowboys offense are Cam Fleming and Connor Williams. Got a mash unit going here, right? Yeah. So how concerned should we be about Lyle Collins? Well, this cropped up, I guess, uh, early in the week because uh, he finished the game, but I guess his back acted up, uh, Jason said, Monday or Tuesday. So, yeah, no no Tyrone Smith out there, no L.C. Collins out there. So we knew Cam Fleming was going to uh, fill in for Tyron Smith at left tackle. And so to deal with the right tackle spot right now, uh, Connor Williams is moving out there, but I would have imagined anyway that they would have given him snaps at tackle at some point in the week just to be the swing tackle, uh, even if uh, LC uh, is playing, because they really didn't have a ready-made backup tackle uh, with their backup swing tackle, Cameron Fleming, starting at left tackle. So uh, he's out there. Uh, and then the the next question uh, that I uh, asked was, well, okay, now you got all that, so now what happens if one of those guys gets hurt? Who goes out to tackle? Because you're out of tackles, uh, and you're basically, uh, what do you do? And it's like, well, Zach Martin would have to go out to tackle if one of those backup tackles gets hurt, uh, and then you would have Suofilo at one guard uh, and then uh, Brandon Knight, uh, at the other guard, it, that is if Connor Williams is already starting. So yeah, you're getting a little thin up front if you get to get to that point. And uh, but you know everybody's got injuries. You know the Packers have got to deal with theirs. So uh, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, and you know also you know Zach Martin probably be a little bit limited this week just to make sure he gets through, uh, doesn't irritate his back. Uh, same thing with. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence a little irritated, and then we already know Kayvon Frazier is out. Uh, he had surgery um, yesterday uh, for the torn pec, uh, and so they've got a spot to fill there. And I, it doesn't seem like they're like, okay, we've got a ready-made uh, offensive lineman to call up just in case. So it looks like that spot will be taken up by either Josh Jones, the safety uh, who had played a couple years with the Packers, uh, got released, uh, uh, I think it was at the end of training camp, uh, to call up and, and be a safety replacement, but he's on the practice squad. Or uh, their other idea is Ventel uh, Bryant, the wide receiver, the 6'3", 6'4", wide receiver they signed to the practice squad. They've discovered that he's a pretty good special teams player, uh, so they might do that, uh, bring him up, and then also uh, put a – 
uniform on Donovan Wilson, who was inactive last week, to be a true safety if they need help there. So, yeah, a lot of moving parts here. It's like playing musical chairs. Sorry, Mick. So the question I would ask is, how are we feeling about Amari Cooper? We've talked about this the last couple of days. Do we feel like a big part of the performance of not getting open or some of these pass interferences was related to being compromised? Is that a discussion out there? I think the pass interference was being compromised by the guy throwing the flag, actually. Uh, I I don't know that he ran as well as normal uh, with that sore ankle he had. But here's the other thing that happens. When you're playing a cover two, the cornerbacks can get real physical and, 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 and be real bold jumping routes because they know they're not going to get beat by a double move because the safety's behind them. So they can get up and try to be physical uh, with, with, the, with the wide receivers. So that, that, that plays into it too. I just didn't think that he was, he was running as well as normal. Uh, but he seemed to get through practice last. And, you know, even though if he gets through practice and he's good enough to go, sometimes good enough gets you to play, but it's not like you're at top speed uh, just because of what you're you're trying to, to work through. So I think there's a little bit of a little something to that. Uh, Michael Gallup is out there practicing. Uh, that's good news, and I think he plays. If any indication of how he's been rehabbing over the last couple of days and how he's been running – uh, if he doesn't irritate that knee uh, that was uh, he had the surgery, the scope to uh, remove some torn meniscus, uh, then I think he's he's good to go, and that'll that'll give him a boost also at the wide receiver position. You know, we had Travis Frederick on with us on Monday, and he did say something interesting, essentially saying that he thought that the Saints knew what they were doing. And that they were calling out uh, different, you know, run blitz audibles when they knew the Cowboys were running, and they were getting it right most of the time. He's like, they did their research. I, you know, listening mm-hmm. to you talk about them being in, you know, having two safeties deep and and allowing the corners to play tough, but then also stopping the run. I mean, you're supposed to be able to take one thing away, but exactly. be vulnerable in another spot. But they weren't vulnerable anywhere, and that's why, and that's why they ended up with ten points. You're exactly right because they weren't able to do uh, and exploit the Saints defense what they were basically giving them they were saying okay we're not giving you that deep stuff we're not giving you uh you know your wide receivers breaking one-on-one coverage but in in exchange you're going to have to run the ball against our front either our front five six or if they bring another guy down and you have a front seven and the Cowboys weren't able to do that uh now did they, you know, did they have an idea what the Cowboys were doing better than other teams, or did they front four just kind of outplay the Cowboys' offensive line? And I know that sounds blasphemous, uh, but uh, when, you know, when you go back and look at it, there just weren't many holes up there, uh, and that better not happen this week because the Packers have been susceptible to the run. I mean, the Eagles ran for 176 yards against them. And, and one of the things I saw, and it was kind of interesting, I went back and looked at that game Thursday night, is when the Eagles went three wide receivers, they go into their nickel, but they leave their – they basically have their, their down – they play a 3-4, right? So three down linemen and then two linebackers, and both linebackers are on the line of scrimmage. And they just played with a single linebacker in the middle, uh, Martinez. And so if you broke the line of scrimmage, there was only one guy there to help out. Now, sometimes they would drop a safety into the box, 
but it's a safety. You should be able to get out there on the second level and take care of a safety, and the Eagles were. Uh, so it be interesting to see how they decide to play it against the Cowboys. Do they play it like they played the Eagles? Is that their normal nickel defense, or do they change it up because they know Ezekiel Elliott's coming at them and not whatever the Eagles were throwing at them? So, yep. uh, but, yeah, if you're going to play that cover two like that, then you got to be able to run the football. And, and, you know, and they weren't able to do it against the Saints for whatever reason. And I'm sure there's a lot of reasons coming up right now, but uh, it had to be better. And, and, you know, and having said all that, right, you lose by two points. And, yeah. And, and you turn the ball over twice at midfield. And think about that because you're, you're moving the ball. All you need is another 10, 15 mm-hmm. yards, and you got a field goal attempt at least. Now, I'm saying he's going to make it, but, again, Three points would have been three points in that game. No doubt. Mick, thanks for your time, brother. We appreciate it. Okay, see ya. There he goes, see Mickey ya. Spagnola. All right, uh, coming up next, Chris, uh, Chris Woodward is going to join us, his final interview of the season with our show. But, man, I wanted to get into this. Little, uh, It is the final countdown, Chippy. Uh, being a kid in this day and age is so different than it was for us. And so I've got a parenting story I wanted to share with you guys. And We were talking in the mix with Sean and RJ about the biggest trouble we got into when we were younger and for me you know I, I can remember lots of different things but you know heck we uh me and your current accountant skin we used to get into a lot of trouble when we were you know in grade school and one time we uh one of us wrote the f word on a whistle chair in the dartmouth elementary library okay and the f word was a, fart okay i'm not 100 percent sure what is a whistle a chair? whistle chair is a chair that's a in little, the shape of a whistle it's a, like a little leather chair okay. that sit on in story time. Gotcha. Librarian sits in a regular chair, and there's whistle chairs for other kids to sit in. It's just like a little tiny lounger on the ground. Kind All of. right. They were awesome. Okay. Uh, you know, I can remember things like that where I would get into trouble, but it became a he said, she said, which usually worked to my advantage because I could convince my mom that it wasn't me. I wasn't guilty or whatever. Mm-hmm. And things have changed for kids now significantly, and we've talked about this day and age with regard to social media kids have a digital footprint out there now every bad decision they make it's out there forever i like i think about i'm grateful that when we were growing up that wasn't the case because lord knows how much trouble we would have gotten into if everything we did wrong every mistake all the growing pains all the things we had to learn along the way were shared in social media and then existing somewhere in perpetuity. So my ninth grade daughters showed me multiple videos just from these kids' platforms of stuff that they're doing. I'm like, they're screwed. I yeah. mean, it's just out there because they're all filming each other all the time. Right. They're all filming each other all the time. And, uh, you know, as, as phones became started becoming more prominent, I can remember athletes getting kicked off teams. Oh, you're at a party with beer? No, I wasn't. Well, yeah, you were. Here's your idiot friend was filming a video, and there you are, and there's the beer. You're off the team. Who was the Missouri quarterback snorting coke? Matty Mock. Oh, that's my guy. You know, it's just everything has changed. The stakes are higher. Kids don't have as much room for growing pains and mistakes because it's all caught on camera, and then everyone's going to react wildly to it. There's no disputing the evidence that's caught on camera. Back in the day, it wasn't on camera. Not everybody was walking around with a phone to catch everything on camera. There weren't security cameras everywhere. I pretty much assume that everything I do is there's, you know, there's a huge chance it's on camera. We're on mm-hmm. TV all the time. Right? Yeah. Your own phone, uh, your TVs, actual security cameras. It's it's all, the whole idea of, you know, watch a detective show on TV. Hey, they're solving these crimes because they're like, hey, look, we uh, we don't know. We didn't. We saw this car 
pass by this ATM. We got it on the security camera. All right, let's go to the next business that had security cameras facing the street. Yep, here it is. We got it here. We're able to track where those cars went. So security cameras are changing the game, too. And the good news for us is now that we've seen all these crime shows, it's easier for us to cover up our crimes. Yeah. Because we know what they're going to do. Right. And so for my son, my 11-year-old, this came into play this week. Now, he got into trouble with his buddies, and there's a bunch of life lessons uh, in here, so I'm going to try to get to it quickly. But uh, it's essentially a harmless thing that they did, but it kind of, you know, at 11, about to be 12, you know, the stakes are going to get higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. So if you're with your buddies and there's peer pressure and you do something wrong, well, right now it's not that big of a deal, maybe the the crime. Mm -hmm. But as you get older... Well, the consequences are higher. Again, the stakes are increased. Hey, let's take a car out. Hey, let's do this. Let's drink beer or whatever. You know, if those decisions start happening, if you can't say no to peer pressure or whatever, it's going to be way more problematic. And so the the offense in this case is actually kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So I get a call during the Cowboy game from one of my favorite people in my neighborhood, uh, one of my uh, son's friend's dad. And he goes, hey, uh, he's actually texting me. He's like, hey, let's talk after the game. we got a little problem. Uh, I think I think your son uh, threw some dog poop over the fence into my neighbor's pool. <laughs> That's a good bit. Yeah. And I'm like, That's awesome. I'm like, oh <laughs> god. So I'm like, what? I, I, he goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on camera. We're about to get the camera footage, and yeah, I think your son did it. And uh, I'm gonna have the security camera footage here, and I'll let you know as soon as I have it. And I've looked at it. But was the neighbor a nerd? And so I'm like, okay. Good question. So I then have, you know, about a quarter of the game to interrogate my son to find out if he did it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and lying to your parents is a bigger crime than, you know, admitting to this. And so now we're trying to get, okay, he's he's hardcore saying, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And I'm like, I'm grilling him to death. And I know him really well. Like in the past when he said I didn't do it and he did it, I've been able to figure out that he did do it and mm-hmm. eventually get him to confess. But he's hardcore saying he didn't do it. And I'm like, there's there's security footage. He's like, great, good. It'll prove that I didn't do it. He goes, I'm about to get the security footage. Do you want to tell me if you did it or not? He's like, I didn't do it. Meanwhile, my buddy you know, in the neighborhood, he's like, so he's with, there was four kids that were there. He's with three of the kids that were there. My son is the only one who's not there. And he's like, well, all three of these kids, their story matches. They say it was only your son who did it. And I'm like, all right, buddy, the odds are against you. So I'm thinking my son's guilty, and my buddy's thinking my son's guilty. And then my buddy gets the security footage, and he sends it to me. He goes, hey, I'll send you the video. Here it is. And he's not freaking out. He's super yeah. cool also. And we're like, oh, my God, our hands are full here. What are we going to do? And I get the footage, and I'm like, it's real hard to tell. Nice. But you can oh. see in the top of the screen a kid walk over in a white shirt and do a throwing motion into this guy's backyard. <laughs> did, did the glove fit? I want to see this video. So I'll show it to you in the commercial break. Post my, it. My son, <laughs> my son was not wearing a white shirt. Oh, oh exonerated. My son was wearing a blue shirt. And so now he learned and to so always change his shirt. Is it color camera or is it black and white? <laughs> it's color. And it's hard to tell. And so I'm mm. like, well, it uh, looks like all we have here is whoever, whichever of these kids was wearing a white shirt did it. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden. He changed shirts, didn't he? What a genius. All <laughs> of a sudden, all the kids start changing their stories. And my buddy's fantastic. He goes, man, I'm sorry. I jumped to conclusions here. And uh, anyways, the whole thing I tell my son is it doesn't matter if you threw it over the fence or not. 
you were there, and yeah. they threw poop over the fence, so therefore you are guilty by association. Mm-hmm. And so there's a life lesson. If one of your friends, while you're out driving around and, and you're older, goes in and robs a bank and you're in the car, you're a bank robber. Mm-hmm. So be careful who you associate with, right? And if something like that happens, you need to just leave and, and say, I can't be a part of this if you can't stop it, right? Yeah. The other part was, I was like, how good of friends are these? Yeah, that's what I'm sitting you, there. These you, jerk kids. Your, your three best friends all just sold you up the river because you weren't there. Right. And, dude, he, you should have seen him start crying. Yeah, He's it like, sucks. I was like, dude, yeah, your friends just sold you out. You had three kids there who totally said that you did it and didn't have your back. You know what he needs to do? He needs to get $10 a quarters. Go to a Coke machine. <laughs> And fill that oh, pillowcase with Coke no. cans and go beat the crap right. out of all three of those kids. So uh, it's just like uh, a, a lot of life lessons all mixed in there. But I couldn't help but think about how interesting it was that security. And we talk about DFW security all the time. The security cameras are great. But I've already heard stories around the neighborhood. There was a story that involved um, a kid that was being a bully. And my neighbor caught it on tape. And showed it to the parents like, hey, uh, it turns out your kid was being a bully. Here's the video footage. Like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I believed Mm -hmm. our son. And so it's kind of crazy how video footage is now just something that kids have to contend with when they're out spinning these webs. Harder to get away with crap. It's so much harder. You got to be smarter than the damn camera. So the lesson is change your clothes after committing the crime. It's the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we'll do our final show of the year with the Rangers manager, Chris Woodward, right here on The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Thanks, Shippy. It's time for our final interview of the season with Rangers skipper Chris Woodward, who joins us now. Skip, thanks for taking the time to join us. We uh, certainly appreciate your time today. Uh, No problem. All right. Let's dive right into this thing, and uh, let's just start right with one of the biggest storylines. Do you 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 appear to have a few positions who could be up for grabs? The positions that could be up for grabs next season, we'll see what happens in the off season. But do you have a a fierce competition on your hands at second base? Um, we do have a competition. Um, I I did I did really like the way that uh, obviously Ruby finished the year. Um, my Obviously, comments to him are, you know, I love the way he plays. I love the, you know, he's kind of the heart and soul of our team. But um, I guess we need him to be more consistent. You know, it's just, uh, you know, he had a good month in July, a good month in September. Um, but, you know, August wasn't great. You know, obviously, April and May weren't great. So, you know, we need more consistency. And if, and if it's not going to be consistent, then obviously we're going to have to look at all our options. Um, I want him to be the answer. Um, I've stressed that to him many times, but he's got he's got to prove it next year. You know, uh, part of this too. Uh, you know, what have you been with him for one year? And I think fans kind of feel like, all right, we've been through this three or four times now with him. You know, you're evaluating him based on your own interactions with him. How much do you bring into what happened here with him previously in your evaluations? Um, I do. Obviously, you know, you look at I, I hear the frustrations, you know, from you know. From the fans, I hear from you know the organization. Just as far as you know, this isn't the first time, and 
you know, this is the first time with me, but I'm not ignoring what, you know, happened in the past. So my biggest thing for him is making sure that any adjustments or uh, any any things that he's done to, to improve his play, which he did. Um, September, he was really good. Like I said, July, he was really good, but September especially, he was more consistent. He walked, um, controlled the strike zone. He put balls in play that he, you know, consistently. Um, he still struck out, which, you know, a lot of guys nowadays strike out, but we can obviously limit that. Um, but I, I'm just hoping that he has more truth to, to how he was good. Um, I, I don't really... You know, I know certain guys can play well for weeks at a time or even a month at a time, but if they're not, if there's no, if they're not rooted in any truth um, and an and understanding of how that was actually happening, it's fleeting. It's going to go away. And when it does, there's no way to retrieve it. And, you know, we want to make sure that all our players, you know, sometimes, you know, we're a little bit probably too honest with them um, when they're doing well and too honest when they're doing bad. But I, I believe in that. I believe that our players nowadays – they have to have truth to what they're doing. Otherwise, like I said, there's no consistency in it. And that's his biggest issue is just lack of consistency. You know, one of the things that uh, drives fans crazy, but they love it when things are going well, is his swagger, like his body language. And, you know, he's a very confident player, and he plays with that swagger, and he can be a, a big-time irritant for the uh, opposition. And you talk about him being the heart and heartbeat of this team, and and you know I, that I think that's an indication of of how he is that with just the way he carries himself. However, if a guy is slumping, I don't know if there's some expectation that he should hang his head, and you know I, I think that's crazy too. So, like, where are you with regard to Rugi and the way that his body language uh, tells a story? Yeah, and that's something that uh, you know it's like if a guy you know, spikes his glove after an outing. If he's a great player, it's like, oh, he's, he has passion. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's not, then he's, you know, immature. Um, and so that that's kind of where, you know, I know fans kind of fall on that with Ruby because he does. He, he carried himself that way all year long. And, you know, part of what makes him, you know, will make him great is his stubbornness to being that way. And I think that's a, it's a great quality to have, but at the same time, you know, it gets in the way sometimes of progress. Um, and I felt like that was the case early on where he was a little bit, I wouldn't say overconfident, but his confidence, you know, in just being a good player and being the best player on the field when he wasn't was kind of getting in the way of his openness to some new ideas. And um, I felt like at the, you know, halfway point, you know, he was open, he was vulnerable. Um, but at the same time, it never lost his, his swagger on the field. And that's, that's pretty important because that's kind of his edge. That's kind of what makes him uh, believe that he can, you know, beat anybody. He's not, he's not fearful of anybody. Uh, I don't want anybody to be fearful of anybody, but I want people to understand, you know, why they need to, you know, why, how is this guy going to get me out? You may not fear him, but I think there was some, sometimes a sense of uh, the bravado was, was what's going to win. That's not the case nowadays. (laughs) Uh, you may believe you're gonna you're gonna beat this guy, but if you don't have the understanding and the knowledge and how to beat that guy, he's gonna beat you. And I think he understands that now, and he, and he really, you know, developed a better game plan every game. Uh, his training showed in that he was working on things that he wasn't doing early on. Um, so I was really proud of him because he, you know, he still took that same bravado out on the field, but his training and his and his work and his information that he was gathering was done out of humble, you know, understanding that this guy is going to beat me if I don't prepare for him. And it was a good blend at the end of the year. 
So of the young guys that we got excited about in the back half, I mean, you've been around long enough to see some guys come up and have a nice little flurry, and then they you know, kind of never go away, never be heard from. What were some things that you saw from some of the young guys that you feel like is going to translate for seasons to come? Yeah, I was really impressed with, with some of the guys that we brought up, obviously, the bullpen. Uh, you look at the, and I know Montero's not a young guy, but um, he's young in, in his pitching, I guess. Uh, he was obviously really impressive, you know, the way he handled himself, Class A, you know, 21 years old, you know, coming up throwing, you know, lightning bolts at 101 miles an hour. Um, but the fact that he could throw strikes, he was very open to information. A lot of these guys, you know, came up and showed that they were really good. But at the same time, they also showed, you know, that they could handle the information and, and what we were trying to get him to do. Jonathan Hernandez, um, Jabot, you know, he was really impressive at times. Um, you know, the young starters, you got, you know, Burke, Allard, and, and Palumbo, I didn't get to see enough. I wanted to see him, but for some reason, something kept getting in the way of that. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of potential there, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, they got a little taste of it here. They got a little taste of the expectations and, you know, how we prepare, you know, the, the culture of the clubhouse, how they fit in, and, um, it was fun to watch these guys, you know, compete. At one point, I think, you know, at the end of the season, we had 14 rookies, which is a lot. I mean, and we competed against the best teams in baseball, you know, best teams in the American League, and you know, went toe to toe with those guys. So it was, uh, it was good, good experience for them to obviously get a taste of it, but also against really quality opponents. So there's there's been a lot of talk about you guys and 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 that you might be able to find your third baseman for next season out in the free agent market. Maybe it won't be internally. But then you start looking at some other positions, which could be potential needs, catcher, first base, and, and center field. When you look at those three positions, catcher, first base, and center field, uh, which of those three is the bigger priority for you personally, in your opinion? Um, it's hard to say because I don't want to, obviously, you know, I, I love the guys we have, but, you know, obviously we're always looking to upgrade. We're always looking to, you know, fill spots. So um, I would love for some of our internal guys to take, huge steps in that regard. I mean, if you look at the, you know, the guys we have, you know, Trevino and Guzman and the shield and, you know, possibly Danny Santana in center, um, you know, you'd love for some of those guys to take big steps. Uh, this offseason big for a lot of those guys. Now, if we happen to go out and, and sign somebody externally, then you know, obviously it creates a different opportunity for some of those guys, but uh, um, getting to see those guys play, you know, helped me a lot getting to watch them prepare. And I would say, honestly, like we need obviously production from first base. That's obviously a big one. Uh, the catching position, you know, you don't necessarily need the offensive production. But I love what I saw from Torino. You know, the demands that I put on our catcher as far as game calling and leadership and um, controlling the game, you know, working with the pitchers, gaining trust in pitchers. Like I feel like Torino fits, fits that mold pretty well. So, I don't know if we necessarily, you know, have to go out and get somebody there. Um, and then center field, you know, you look, you see what, uh, you know, Delano was better in the second half. I felt like he was, you know, he's very understanding of how to become the best player for him, not necessarily, you know, according to the league. You know, with his speed, he's got he's got a skill set that uh, not a lot of people have. You know, from a defensive standpoint and base running, um, and with his swing mechanics, you know, he worked really hard on him to try to maximize his ability and not try to, you know, hit too many fly balls and, you know, elevate as many balls as Joey Gallo. Wanted to keep the ball a little bit lower, you know, hit the ball on the line more. So it's, you know, I'd probably say first base 
even though I love Guzzi and I love the, the, the strides he made this year, um, we just, I think in that position, we probably need, you know, some more production. That's interesting there at the very end, need more production. So are you saying that uh, you guys would go outside looking for that? Or are you saying, uh, you know, it's very clear what Guzzi has to do? Yeah, it's very clear what Guzzi has to do. And I, I'm, a, I'm an optimistic guy, so I, I love what Guzzi does. And Guzzi, made, like I said, he he was all in this year. I mean, he heavily invested into himself, into the team, and into the processes that we, we set forth. Um, you know, he was a couple clicks off at times, but if he can become productive and he can become consistent, I mean, you look at his frame, you know, he's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, whatever he is, he's, you know, he's got a ton of leverage, um, great kid. Great, you know, teammate. Um, love what he brings every day from a defensive standpoint. I mean, it's, there's probably nobody better than him, you know, as far as wingspan goes, ability to catch the ball, pick the ball. Uh, it's a huge asset for our infielders. Um, but the offensive production, he knows that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knows that to play that position, you got to be productive. And if he can become that guy, I mean, we have our answer. Right, right. Um, but. Um, but we need to see, obviously, a little bit more at this point. If you guys are going outside of the organization looking for answers elsewhere, what is the best-selling point of this franchise? Um, honestly, the you know you have the new ballpark. I think from a cultural standpoint, this is a really good group of character guys, man. They want to win. Um, we we are everything that we I guess do here now is is dedicated to winning a championship, and you know we have a lot of pieces in place obviously we need some pieces internally to materialize um and then if we add some external pieces like we're not that far off and i think that uh that would be one of the biggest selling points and then you know like i said when you walk into that clubhouse you know it's a good atmosphere um it's not a it's not a cozy comfortable atmosphere i don't love those words um but at the same time like you feel comfortable enough to walk around and say, okay, I want to improve. I want to get better. I want this team to win. Everybody's kind of on board with that. And we're still trying to, you know, get that as tight as we possibly can, but guys care about each other. And I said that when I first got the job and I, you know, these guys cared about each other before I got here. Um, I tried to add to that and make them, you know, make every corner of that locker room, you know, want to go out and fight with one another and, that's always the biggest issue in any clubhouse is just get guys to, to believe in it together. And um, I feel like we're getting close. Um, these guys got closer, I think, as the year went on. And, you know, I think that would be a, obviously a really good selling point for somebody to come from the outside. They have, do, do I want to go somewhere that has a desire to win and will do anything it takes to win, um, but also together. Yeah, you guys had a, a fantastic season in terms of taking strides in the right direction and, uh, it was kind of a year of transition, and and everyone's excited to see where this thing goes, and and when you guys are able to be that contender. And obviously, things are are tough in in your division with the A's and Astros both being uh, just really strong and looking good for the foreseeable future. Do you believe that you guys can, by making some additions, you guys would be ready to contend for the division as early as next season, or are we still maybe one or two seasons away? Um. I'm I'm always going to say next year. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go out and say you know I'm pretty realistic when you look at it. Now the way our roster stands right now, I wouldn't I would tell you probably not. But um, it, you know if we make a couple of pieces, add a couple pieces. Guys take like I said, in the off season is a huge one for us. I said that to our team before I, before we left. You know, a lot of guys have to we have to win this off season to give ourselves a chance. And if we do that, 
you know, we are going to improve. We're going to be better. Um, you know, I have no desire to lose. So it's uh, a lot of things have to go kind of right, and guys have to take the right steps to move forward. Um, but the piece, you know, like I said, you know, one or two pieces, you know, starting pitcher, you know, maybe a, a, another arm in the bullpen, you know, who knows what uh, what JD and, and his guys will, will kind of give to us. But uh, we're not that far off, and I need our guys to believe that. You know, we'll always start the season. We're going to start 0-0 just like the Astros. Uh, those two teams are really good. There's no question. They're formidable opponents, and we saw that this year. I think we were 14 games under 500 against those two teams. Uh, we played them tough, but they, they beat us. And, you know, we have something to prove to them and the rest of the league that, uh, you know, we'll have something to say about it next year. Hey, we thank you for the time, Woody. Great stuff, and uh, we look forward to talking to you soon, man. Awesome. Thanks, guys. There he goes. Rangers manager Chris Woodward right here on the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. All right, party people, the Stars season gets going tomorrow, and a great way to get it launched here on the show is to have a very special guest joining us on the BuyerSafety.com hotline. It's Stars goalie Ben Bishop. Hello, Ben. How are we doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to jump on with us. I, You know, right out the gate, there's a lot of excitement about the season. Uh, what would you say, if there's anything significant, is different about this year's version of the Stars compared to what we saw last year? Well, I think we made some big off-season moves, added some experience in the room, and um, I think the excitement's there at the beginning of every season. And really no different this year. Obviously, just a couple new additions that bring a lot of experience and a couple guys that have been there and done that. So, uh, But the beginning of the season is always excited. So uh, just, like you said, ready to get it going now. What do you think is the identity of your team? Or at the end of this season, how will the rest of the league see your team if everything goes well? What will be y'all's identity? Well, I think that's something you have to work on throughout the season and try to find, you know, everybody comes in and says they want to be the hardest working team, but not every single team can do that. But uh, I think that's one of those things that, you know, as the season goes on, you kind of find your identity and try to stick with it. And, you know, hopefully we can kind of, you know, start off this year how we ended last year, just being, you know, good defensively and, you know, getting some big timely goals. And obviously the beginning of the season is always a little bit more sloppy. Guys are trying to, you know, find their ways. The structure is not always there, but, you want to be good defensively, and then obviously we've got some guys that can put the puck in the net, so hopefully they can step up and you know score some big goals. You mentioned be good defensively. Obviously a lot falls on you, but last year you guys had a phenomenal rookie in Miro, and so let's talk about him. How much can he grow from you know year one to year two, and, and what does he exactly provide for this team? He's going to be huge. I think you know it's hard to grow off such a you know great year. I think as long as he can stay consistent, you know, with kind of where he went last year, I think the offensive side will come a little bit more. He'll get a little bit more comfortable jumping on the play. But, you know, if he just sticks to what he was doing last year and comes out, you know, he's going to be a special talent probably, you know, for sure Hall of Famer if he can keep up the pace that he did last year. And I think, you know, the sky's the limit. So it's a lot of fun to watch. He's very mature for his age. And I don't really expect to see. He's not one of those guys that's going to wow you. He just kind of does everything right kind of behind the scenes. And, and maybe a couple more, you know, wild goals this year just because he'll be a little more comfortable jumping up. You know, we really thought you should have won the Vesna. We have a, a lot of uh, confidence in you. We think you're brilliant. And, um, you know, I think a lot of folks were outraged that you, that you didn't. <laughs> and I'm not sure how you feel about that. But um, that said, is that a personal goal for you as, you as you look at this season? I think it's hard to say you want to go out there and, you know, win the Vesna. I think it's more just you want to get off to a good start and, 
you kind of take it game by game and you want to you know be playing well and normally if you kind of take a game by game you're playing well you're getting the wins and then that kind of starts falling in your lap later in the season you don't really obviously you want to go out and be the best goalie every single night but i don't think you sit here strive to try to win the Vesna in the first month you gotta you know kind of really just pace yourself and if you're doing all the things right throughout the season then you know as the season goes on and that's kind of hopefully one of those things you fall into that conversation um but you got to kind of focus on doing the right thing in day one and kind of you know building towards that because you'd be really frustrated if you got off to a bad start and that was your main goal was trying to win the Vesna you'd be kicking yourself all season so it's really just kind of taking it game by game this is Ben Bishop joining us on the Ben and Skin Show. What is uh, an off season like for a goalie? What are sort of some of the things that you do to improve? Well, I mean, first you just take a little, get a little rest. Uh, the body takes a beat through the season, and then kind of get back into the routine. You're working out. Uh, you know, for the goalies, I think we do a little more yoga. Uh, I did some Pilates, uh, working with you know some uh, you know stretching lady that you know I go see and you know works on you know different stretching just kind of stay pliable, uh, you know, not necessarily trying to, you know, get the squatting record or the most pull-ups. Uh, just try to stay try to stay fit and then stay stretching. And then obviously you start skating kind of towards the end of July and August and slowly get back into it. What did, did you do any binge watching of TV shows or anything this off season that we need to know about? No, not really. I've got a 15 month old at home. So Oof. that was my binge watching, watching him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that can be tedious, my friend. Is this your first? It is. Oh, my yeah, God. So, pro- so you're happy to have the hockey back. <laughs> you know, I think that first road trip is going to be pretty nice. I but get to sleep in in your own bed, uh, no, it'll be nice. It's going to be hard. Definitely going to miss him, but definitely going to enjoy some you know, good nights of sleep on the road for sure. I'm sure you've been told this. It's a hell of a lot cooler when they're like five, but don't worry about it. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it it's coming. Uh, talking to Ben Bishop here on the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Who uh, We were talking about this with Shippy, our, uh, one of our producers, huge uh, hockey fan. So are the Blues y'all's biggest rival? I mean, do you? I don't know who you view as your biggest rival. I'm assuming you guys kind of hate each other. Is that probably pretty accurate? Yeah, I think anytime you play, you know, Nashville and St. Louis, anytime you play a team in the playoffs the year before, you know, playoff hockey, and then when you add, you play against them six, seven times in a row. Uh, there's a pretty good, you know, rivalry that brews within the, within the game just between people and guys. And you learn to hate them pretty quick after you've been facing the guys for six, seven games in a row. So I think that Nashville St. Louis definitely, you know, is at the top right now. Anytime you play a team in the playoffs, it kind of adds to the rivalry and then, you know, being in the central. Let's pour gasoline on it. Which player do you hate the most? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a few, I think. I don't know. There's just one, but uh, I don't think I want to feel that fire. So Dang. I'll I, just let them. I'll let them know face to face. I don't want to get any bolts in. You know, between. Maybe I'm making up a story, but you you've lived there, right? And you had family there and family roots there and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's where I'm from. I, I was born in Denver and I was only there for eight months, so I you know pretty much grew up. And, Still go back to St. Louis in the summers, and yeah, that's that's still home. We're talking to the greatest goalie on the planet, Ben Bishop, <laughs> on the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Yeah! Uh, okay, so yeah, it's interesting what you said. You don't want to give him any bulletin board material, and that's smart. You're a veteran. You, you're not going to fall into that trap. But you said you'll tell them to their face. That's awesome. So <laughs> if you were to tell a guy when you're playing on the ice, hey, I hate you, or go F yourself, or something like that, 
that wouldn't be as big of a deal as saying it in a newspaper and having it be bulletin board material. Right. Exactly. Why yeah, wouldn't they no, just? What, but why wouldn't they just go back and say, "Hey, man, Ben Bishop just told me this. You guys, let's get him." I mean, wouldn't it have the same impact? No, I don't want to give him any motivation before the game. Like uh, just throw it on him during the game, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You ever send any of your henchmen to slash their tires during the game? <laughs> no, but I've thought about it. Yeah, that's is what there, I'm talking about. Is there trash talking happening on the ice? Oh yeah, there's lots, lots of, lots of f bombs and <laughs> things you would never say to a normal person. <laughs> Commentary about All their loved things, ones. Yeah. A lot of things are way offsides. It's for some reason onsides. Uh, when you're when you're playing, but yeah, some funny stuff. And the thing is, you could be buddies with a guy too, and you know, friends with him. But once you get in the game, I mean, you say like some completely offsides often <laughs> isn't appropriate. But then after the game, it's like, hey, buddy, how's it going? Yeah, sports makes us all crazy. We love it. Okay, tell us about Joe Pavelski, uh, personality-wise, what he brings to the team. That's uh, you know probably y'all's biggest acquisition, I'd say. Yeah, him and you know Perry. I mean, just two guys that have. You know, been captains for their teams for a long time. Um, you know, been there, done that type. Made all-star games, played in the finals. You know, Perry's won a cup. Perry's pretty much won every hockey trophy you can win. He's gold medals, world championships, world juniors, Stanley Cup. So, I mean, the experience that, you know, Perry and then obviously Pavelski, it's just it's hard to find guys in the league that have been there and done that kind of in every situation. You brought up Perry. them on our team. You brought up Perry. He's an agitator, right? So did you hate him before he was your teammate? Yeah, no, we had some pretty good battles. Uh, <laughs> Perry and I, uh, he's definitely one of those guys that's nice to have on your side because he's a pain to deal with, you know, night in and night out, but he's a very effective player. So just excited to have both of them. Even Sakara, you know, another guy that's been around for a long time. So just that, that leadership and, you know, experience really helps, you know, kind of mold the team. Uh, we have this thing here called the Autoflex Leasing Fan Text, 877-881-1053, where folks can send stuff in. I hope I'm not being led astray here. What is the most delicious dish at Bishop's Post? Oh, uh, there's some good stuff there. I mean, I hear a lot of a lot of people like the, like the fried chicken night. Is that your dad's restaurant? It's uh, my dad and some of his buddies' uh, restaurants. So there's a lot of good things there. Um, there really isn't much not a bad item uh, i kind of like it all but uh it's all pretty good do you have any uh friendships with any mavericks or uh texas rangers or dallas cowboys well we've gone to i've gone to the rangers uh stadium both the last two summers and kind of got to know some of those guys and the mavs is kind of tough because we're always like opposite schedules uh, whenever we're on the road they're playing at home whenever they're at home we're on the road so, uh, and then obviously Zeke and Dak came down for the playoffs last year. Um, but yeah, we all get along. It's it's a fun to be in a, a big sports city like Dallas and obviously a lot of good teams. And it's fun watching the Cowboys right now and excited for the Mavs to get started too. Well, it's uh, nice to have you on, Ben. Uh, we wish you great success this year, building on last year. And uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us before the season starts, man. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. There he goes, Ben Bishop. He will be your goaltender yeah. this year. That's a huge get. 
Yeah, he's Who awesome. Him? KT? Uh, yeah, Shippy, Shippy, was, Shippy didn't want any yeah, hockey right. this year, so yeah. KT stepped up and booked him. How would you compare, uh, and Shippy, maybe you can answer this best, but how would you compare Ben Bishop to somebody on the Cowboys, Rangers, or Mavs? Like, what is his equivalent player of import? I think he's our, I think he's the Dwight Powell of the Stars. I would go with, I'd probably go with the the Tank Lawrence of the Cowboys. Wow, like Ooh. setting the tone because as you could tell there, he's a pretty edgy dude and he's not afraid. He got in a, he played with the Texas Tornadoes uh, in the minor leagues and he actually got in this big goalie fight. He's not afraid to to mix it up and as you could say, he, as you could tell, he talks a lot of trash there. So I think he's kind of the guy who sets the tone for the Stars in net. He's got an aggressive personality and he's obviously really really good at what he does. Is it common in hockey for the crowd to start going goalie fight, goalie fight? Goalie fight. No, so they're on opposite ends of the ice. How do they? Everybody clears the ice, and then they, they just, speed towards each yeah, other they, at full speed. There have been hey, a few. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> you, man. Yeah, I don't really know how they talk trash from opposite ends of the ice, but, I mean. Walkie-talkies, dude. They have them yeah. right there on the net. Jordan Bennington and Ben Bishop had some uh, some weird stuff happen where they were crossing paths during the playoffs, and Bennington would kind of give them a little slash, and Ben Bishop would give them a little push back. So, there's times where they cross paths and they, you know, they can get into it. Well, it's like my pastor always said, hockey's not for peas. All right, Sabin and Skin Show, <laughs> 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, earlier today, uh, old Mike Lombardi was on with Sean and RJ and he delivered some gems. Let's get into it next right here on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 